In the Torah portion of Bahar, the verse says, If your brother becomes poor, you should support him before he becomes completely destitute. This includes a non-Jewish resident. The next verse then says, When giving a loan to help your brother, do not take interest from him. On this, the Gemara Mbamitsiya says that ribis, not to take interest, only applies to your brother and not to a non-Jewish resident. The Rambam, Maimonides, writes that there are essentially three categories. To a Jew, one is prohibited to take interest on a loan. To a non-Jewish resident, it's permissible. To an idol worshiper, it is actually a mitzvah to charge interest on a loan. The Rebbe explains the logic as follows. Taking interest on a loan is not in the same category as stealing, God forbid, because stealing is taken unknowingly and unwillingly. In contrast to someone who gives a loan to his friend with interest, both parties totally understand the designed loan, and it may even be beneficial to the borrower. The borrower is thus taking the loan knowingly and willingly. This is why the Torah allows a Jew to take interest on a loan to a non-Jewish resident and to an idol worshiper. But why is it that when it comes to the idol worshiper, is it a mitzvah to take interest? That the word shark loan is actually a word taken from this verse. The Torah used the term neshech, which literally translates as a bite. Therefore, what is the positive message in charging interest on a loan to an idol worshiper? Why is it a mitzvah? To understand this, we must first introduce another idea. As we know, the law is that a Jewish lender cannot charge interest to a Jewish borrower. What happens if the borrower decides to give, to forgive the interest that he has already paid to the lender and tells the lender that he can keep the money? So on this, there's an argument. The Go'inim say that the borrower can, cannot forgive the interest. And the reason being is that since when the lender initially gave the, the borrower the money, the borrower agreed to pay it with interest. And the Torah still forbade the lender from charging. If in the beginning we see that the borrower forgave the interest and was ready to pay more, and nevertheless the Torah says that the lender cannot charge interest, then we should say that in all instances, when the borrower forgives the interest, that the lender is never off the hook and must always pay back the interest. The Rush argues and says that yes, in the beginning, if the borrower agreed to pay interest, does the Torah forbid it? But once the interest funds were given to the lender... If the borrower forgives the interest funds, the lender can in fact keep the money. The Rebbe then brings the Ritva, which explains the logic behind the Ga'inim, which said that the lender cannot keep the money and must return the funds. In a case where one steals something from his fellow, the reason why he must return that object is because the object is inherently not his. He has in his possession something that does not belong to him. He's obligated to give that item back to his friends. In contrast to a lender taking interest from his friend, the interest taken is not owed to the borrower like, a stole, like stolen money. In fact, the borrower even agreed that the owner may keep it. So what then is the essential nature of the prohibition of not taking interest? The Ritva explains that it falls in the category of doing something sinful in your relationship with God, and it's not similar to stealing at all. It would be similar to acting upon a prohibition like eating non-kosher food or wearing shotness clothing. The Taita prohibited one to take interest. And therefore, even when the borrower forgave the money, the lender must always give it back. Why? Because God said that he cannot keep it. 
The Rosh will argue and say to this, that although the prohibition of taking interest is one between God and the lender, and God forbade it, which is not similar to a stolen object that is in the possession of the thief and is owed back to the true owner, nevertheless, since this obligation to return the interest funds falls upon the lender to pay it back to who? The borrower. Because there, there was a, lo- a loss of funds to the borrower. Therefore, if the borrower, in fact, forgave those losses of funds owed to him, the lender would be able to keep the money. To summarize, the Gainim say that the lender can never keep the interest funds. Why? Because this is a godly prohibition that the borrower cannot remove from the lender ever. The Rush agrees it is in fact a godly prohibition, but there nevertheless is a loss of funds to the borrower and should be paid back to the borrower. Therefore, if the borrower chooses to forgive the funds, he has the right to do so based on the fact that it's his loss. From here we see that the law of not taking interest is a godly prohibition according to both the Ga'inim and the Rush. Since really a lender who earned his own money and now locks his funds with the borrower should be entitled to some earnings. He could have used those funds differently. Therefore, the Torah agrees that the interest produced is a lender's Earnings, and the only reason why there is a prohibition against taking interest from a Jew is only because God forbade it. In other words, logically, even the Teda would agree that interest to the lender is in fact money that should belong to the lender. The Rebbe then explains the spiritual significance of money. The law is that if the lender wishes to repent and return the interest funds, the borrower should discourage him from returning it. The lender is obligated to return it while the borrower is encouraged not to accept it. What is the message here? The Rebbe explains that the sages teach that one should be careful with Jewish money since one has to incorporate godliness in all his actions and in all his ways. One needs to use his physical possessions to serve God as well. So therefore, one's earnings and possessions have in it sparks of holiness that only the soul of the owner can uplift. And since one can lend his own earnings to his fellow and thus make even more money, that money earned is connected to his soul, which he can then uplift those funds in a holy way. Therefore, really, the interest made by the, by the lender is his earnings owed to him spiritually as well. It's only that God forbade it. And how does he uplift those sparks? The Torah now says, He uplifts it by not taking it. Therefore, in a situation where the lender repented and now wants to return the interest, the borrower is encouraged not to accept those funds because those earnings are to the lender. The lender must return it because God said so, but the borrower is encouraged not to accept it because spiritually the lender profits connects to his soul. This is also why it is a mitzvah to take interest from from an idol worshiper. Because as we said earlier, interest is actually an opportunity for the borrower to receive funds that that are needed to him. It's a win-win for all. The borrower receives money and the lender receives a return on his investment. Spiritually, this means that when a Jew lends money to an idol worshiper, he is now elevating the funds given to him from an unholy domain into a holy and spiritual reality, a win-win for all.